Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on May 17th, 2015, on the basis of Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. At the very height of the Cold War, our nation was in a tough spot. You see, in the event of a Soviet missile launch, we really had basically two options. On the one hand, we could try to use all of our missiles to try and take out the entire Soviet missile fleet. But if we were unsuccessful, we would have absolutely no firepower left to try to defend our cities. On the other hand, we could respond to a Soviet strike, even while still unsure of its target, by launching our missiles against their cities. But then we'd run the risk of being the first nation to fire on civilian targets, something that we desperately wanted to avoid. So we basically had those two options, but neither one of them was any good. And so in 1971, plans began for the development of a new line of missiles. A missile so powerful, so advanced, so sophisticated that it would allow us to achieve both of our objectives in the event of a Soviet strike, to take out their missile fleet and still have firepower left to defend our cities. During the course of the missile's development, it went by many different names. At first, it was simply referred to as MX, the Missile Experimental. Based on some of its capabilities, it was also known as an ICBM, an MIRV, and an LGM. Its very sophisticated INS contains something known as an AIRS. As you can imagine, all of those acronyms, all of those designations really said a mouthful about this new powerful missile, and yet none of them really captured the spirit of what it was intended for. And so in 1982, President Ronald Reagan renamed this new missile the Peacekeeper. The Peacekeeper. Does that seem a bit odd to you? It was the most powerful, most destructive, most violent force ever built by human hands, and he thought it should be called the Peacekeeper. Well, it turns out it was a pretty fitting name after all. You see, even though not even one of these missiles was ever fired against any of our enemies, the Peacekeeper missiles are largely credited with helping bring the Cold War to an end. It turns out when your enemy knows that you are packing firepower like that, it has an interesting way of dissuading him from trying to pick a fight. So do you think that word fight describes pretty well what we see going on in our world today? Not only within our society about all kinds of different issues, but but especially this morning we want to focus on the fight that we see between our society and the church that Jesus left behind when he went back up into heaven. If we see a fight going on all around us, it really shouldn't surprise us one bit because already 2,000 years ago, the Apostle John had a vision, a vision that we know as the book of Revelation. And in that vision, he saw 
what life would be like here on earth during the period of time that we know as the last days. In that vision, John saw a great dragon representing Satan himself, the one who leads this fight against Christ's church. In that vision, John also saw the dragon's two foremost allies, two beasts. One of the beasts represents corrupt government, rulers and authorities who use their power to blaspheme Christ and harass his church. The other beast represents corrupt religion, any and all man-made attempts to try and fix our broken relationship with God, any and all false notions that would seek to lead us away from the truth. And of course, as you know, this fight, this war that these three enemies are waging against Christ's church is anything but a cold war. Every day you see the attacks that they are launching against Christians and against the church. Maybe you see it at work. Maybe you see it just out there in society. Maybe you see it at school. Maybe you see it even within certain parts of your own family. Attack after attack after attack. Maybe to the point that we as Christians at times feel that we are the ones in the difficult position. What are we going to do? On the one hand, we might think that we need to pick up our swords. We need to charge out there onto that field of battle, guns blazing, and we need to unleash all of our wrath and all of our anger against all of the evil that's going on in the world around us. On the other hand, we might think that all we can do is wave the white flag of surrender. All we can do is give in, give up, cry doom and gloom. Well, thankfully, the Word of God that's in front of us today provides us with a third option. You see, in these verses, the Apostle John almost gives us level five top secret clearance to be able to see right into heaven itself, to see our Savior Jesus Christ now that he has ascended, to see him as the mighty warrior who is fighting for us and with us in this battle. And what's truly interesting about the verses that we're looking at today is that no part of the battle is mentioned in them. Not even a single shot is fired. And yet it doesn't need to be mentioned. You see, just like the peacekeeper missile, simply knowing that Jesus is there makes all the difference in the world. Simply knowing the capabilities that he has, the power that he has been given, and the way in which he seeks to use it gives us all of the comfort and all of the confidence in the world, even as we see this battle going on around us. In other words, as we look at this ongoing fight between the world and Christ's church, all we need is just one peek, one peek at our Savior Jesus in heaven to keep peace. One of the problems with the missiles that came before the Peacekeeper missile is that they weren't very accurate. So against targets like, like military bases or even ports, they could do the job. But against very small, hardened targets like missile silos, they were completely worthless. Their inaccuracy made them ineffective. As we think about this battle going on around us, accuracy is sort of an important thing, isn't it? Have you ever been completely confident that you knew where the enemy was attacking you? 
completely confident that you had identified evil very clearly, that you knew exactly where an attack or a defense needed to be made, only to find out later on that your assessment had been a bit off. Maybe you get word from someone that that another person has done something or has said something about you that was unkind or cruel or hurtful. And so without bothering to give them the benefit of the doubt, without bothering to get their side of the story, you simply call them up and you let them have it only to find out afterward that, that the rumor wasn't exactly true, that there was more to the story than what you had heard. Maybe there's a controversial issue that comes up in the workplace, here at church, out there in society, within your family. And in your mind, the issue is very black and white. It's plain and simple. It's clear as day. And so again, you let fire. But later you find out that the issue is a little bit more complicated than what you had thought, and the truth is a little bit more nuanced. Well, thankfully, as we take a look at our Savior Jesus here in heaven, we see in John's description of him that accuracy is not an issue that he struggles with. Notice that he is referred to as faithful and true. As he carries out his rule of all things, he does so with perfect justice. Notice that when John looks at him, his eyes are like blazing fire. Better than even any night vision goggles, this mighty warrior sees everything. He knows everything. He sees every side of every issue. He never rushes to judgment. He never punishes unjustly. As we think about our own inaccuracy, we might have all kinds of cause for concern, but one peek at our Savior Jesus and his perfect accuracy gives us all the peace that we need. Another problem with some of the missiles that came before the Peacekeeper missile is that their firepower was was just limited. So even if they hit their target dead on, the amount of destruction that they could cause just wasn't that great. Their power was limited. As we think about the battle that's going on around us, we might experience the same realization. Maybe at times our our assessment of things and the attacks or the defenses that we might put out there are completely accurate, and yet we quickly realize that we just don't possess a whole lot of firepower. For example, it seems pretty clear how the enemy is attacking the sanctity of life in our world. It seems pretty clear how he is attacking the sanctity of marriage. And at times, Christians' responses to those attacks might be perfectly accurate, right on the money. But are they really getting us anywhere? Are we making any progress or are we losing ground? When we realize our own limited firepower can have some very detrimental results. Again, on the one hand, we might throw up our hands and give up and say, woe is us. The world is spiraling farther and farther out of control and there's nothing that we can do to stop it. On the other hand, we might grow very angry, very bitter, very frustrated. And suddenly those attacks that we might make, as accurate as they may be, are now void of any love, any compassion, any mercy. We try and overcompensate for our lack of firepower by using cruel words and loveless actions. Thankfully, as we 
get this peek at our Savior Jesus, we see that, that firepower is not at all an issue. As John looks at Jesus, he notices that his white robe is dipped in blood. He already bears the marks of war. And yet as he is followed by this giant army, the angel hosts of heaven, John notices that their robes are perfectly white and clean. In other words, this mighty warrior, our ally in heaven, is so powerful that he doesn't need any help, not even from the angels. He fights all by himself, and he does so victoriously. In fact, as John sees it, he sees our Savior Jesus trampling his enemies underfoot, almost in the way that a vineyard worker would squash grapes in a wine press. It's that easy, it's that effective for him. As we think about our own limited firepower, we might have all kinds of reason for concern, but one peek at our Savior Jesus in heaven and his limitless power and we have all the peace of mind that we need. So when the Peacekeeper missile finally came along, it, it really fixed and solved all of the problems that came with previous missiles. Just to give you a, a little bit of an idea of some of its capabilities, the bomb that we dropped on Nagasaki in World War II exploded with 21 kilotons of force. Well, every single warhead in the Peacekeeper missile packed a whopping 300 kilotons of force. And every single Peacekeeper missile had 10 of these warheads. When that missile was launched up into the air, each one of those 10 warheads could actually be aimed at an independent target, would be delivered with pinpoint accuracy, and would pack a whopping punch, 300 kilotons in every single warhead. In fact, it was missiles like the Peacekeeper that ultimately led to many of the arms reduction treaties of the 90s and early 2000s. At some point, people realized that no nation on earth, not even the United States, should possess power like that. But you know, in spite of all of its capabilities, there was still one big problem with the Peacekeeper missile. Its development, its production was kind of a disaster. In fact, at one point, the production of the sophisticated navigation system was going so slowly that workers were reportedly running down the street to Radio Shack to get the parts that they needed because they weren't coming fast enough. At one point, almost half of the missiles that had been deployed didn't even have a working navigation system, and so they were completely non-operational. They didn't even work. And even though a 100 of these missiles were originally planned, only 50 were ever produced. That maybe pre presents one final challenge to us as Christians as we think about the battle that's going on all around us. You see, it's all well and good that John gives us this nice little vision of Jesus in heaven with all of his power, all of his capabilities, all of his wisdom. But do we ever see that power put to use? Do we ever get to see it in action? Does it seem at times that he's just holding back, that he's not using it the way that we would want him to? Are we maybe tempted to think that as, as the church's enemies carry out their attacks with seeming impunity, that maybe Jesus isn't quite like this 
just yet. That maybe he's almost like the peacekeeper missile, that he's non-operational until the day when he finally comes back on Judgment Day. Well, friends, that's why the day on which Jesus ascended into heaven is such an important day. That was the day when Jesus was given all of this power. That was the day when every single ounce of power, divine authority, really every divine characteristic was given to Jesus to be his permanent possession. All of those things belong to him right now and have since the very minute that heaven opened up its doors and welcomed him back in. Ascension really completes what started at Easter. It's the day when God the Father took every ounce of power and authority and handed it to his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, this vision of Jesus in heaven is how Jesus looks right now, not just how he's going to look come judgment day. Now, why is that an important thing? Well, actually, for two reasons. First of all, what happened at Jesus' ascension happened for a very specific reason. It happened as a clear signal that everything that Jesus had come to this earth to do was done. It happened as proof that his mission to come and save us from sin was accomplished successfully. There we were, prisoners of war, held captive in the dungeons of our enemy, the great dragon. But in love, our Savior Jesus came to this earth. He marched right into the heart of enemy territory. He infiltrated that enemy prison camp. And then he offered the ultimate prisoner exchange. He said, take my life and let all of them go free. And blinded by rage, that great dragon, our adversary, the devil, said, you've got a deal. But of course, little did he know that unlike us, the devil's dungeons were unable to hold Jesus in. And so as soon as he set us free with his death on the cross, he marched right out of that prison on Easter Sunday morning, rising from the dead. And 40 days later, he sat down at the right hand of God, work complete. Jesus' ascension into heaven is proof that not only, do we, not only are we at peace as we look at the war going on around us, but we have peace, permanent, perfect peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The second reason Jesus' ascension is important is because it guarantees how this battle is eventually going to end. As I said, in these verses, we don't actually get a description of the battle. It comes a little bit later in the book of Revelation. If you want to go home and read it for yourself today, you certainly can. It's a very interesting, vivid description of the dragon and the beast being defeated. But I will mention this. Right before the battle's about to get started, there's this angel that flies out to the middle of the battlefield. And what he does is he calls down all of the birds of prey. He says to all of the scavengers of the air, come on down and gorge yourselves. Feast on the flesh of God's fallen enemies. He invites them to come and eat from the corpses of God's defeated foes. 
It's like before the battle even started, he's calling for the medic. He's making sure that they have enough body bags. He's calling up the cemetery to make sure that there's enough space for all of the enemies that are about to be defeated because the outcome of this battle is that certain. Friends, if you ever feel like you as a Christian or we as Christ's church are sort of in a tough spot as we think about what's going on around us, boy, all it takes is this one peak of our Savior Jesus in heaven to put us at perfect, lasting peace. This one peak assures us that what was true at Easter and what was true at Jesus' ascension is still true today and will be true forever. That salvation belongs to our God. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org. Thank you.